Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And I say that with the utmost respect. Today, I'm going to do something a little different. I have a special recording of a webinar titled, Don't Break the Bank, put on by Perspectium this past July 2020. I had the pleasure and honor to be a guest with the one and only David Liu. Yes, that David Liu from the demo data. No, he's a real person and one of the founding fathers of ServiceNow. Many of the features we use every day in the platform were originally written by David. Craig McDonough of Perspectium, another former ServiceNow alumni, was our moderator as David and I had a great discussion about reducing and avoiding technical and data debt. Just a quick note that this is a bit longer than our usual Breakpoint episodes, but I thought it was worth sharing. So without further delay, over to Craig. G'day, everyone, and welcome to this ServiceNow and Perspectium webinar. Uh, The title of today's session is Don't Break the Bank. And we're going to spend the next hour in a conversation with two of the best known people in the ServiceNow world. Uh, We're going to be talking about technical debt and data debt, what it is, uh, why you want to avoid it, and uh, how to minimize it. So uh, I think uh, without too much further ado, uh, let's move on and, uh, and meet the stars of the show. Uh, firstly, I would like to introduce Chuck Tomasi. Chuck is the Senior Developer Evangelist at ServiceNow and will definitely not be a new name to anyone that's been using ServiceNow for almost any time at all. Uh, along with being known for his amazing bow tie collection, uh, Chuck was also the first ever winner of the prestigious Innovation of the Year Award before he even joined ServiceNow. Uh, Chuck, thanks for joining us. Um, and for those that haven't met you before, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Thank you for having me on the show. It, it's just a terrific honor to be able to speak with you and David, who I feel like we're getting back to some old fraternity or something in this, in this episode. <laughs> As, uh, you know, We've known each other for a while. You mentioned uh, my customer years. I was with service, uh, excuse me, I was a customer of ServiceNow from 2008 to 2010. Uh, we did some basic ITSM implementation. I went to Knowledge 10. The attendance there, if you want to compare, was 500 people. Were you at that one, Craig, or did you come right after that? I, I was at Knowledge 10. That was my first one as well. You may have been the one who handed me the Innovation of the Year Award, if I remember right. I don't think I did that one. I think I did <laughs> the ones after that. Okay. I know David was there, and uh, yeah, oh, it was yeah. a good time. And, and shortly after that, I was... Uh, let go from my employment of 22 years before that and uh, quickly snapped up by ServiceNow as a technical consultant. I've done solution consulting. I've done uh, many other roles leading up to the uh, the developer evangelist role, but uh, always having a lot of fun sharing what I learn with our customers and with our partners and the whole ServiceNow ecosystem. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful ride to be able to be, to be part of this journey. So thank you for having me here today. Oh no worries, Chuck. Thank you for thanks for being here with us. And uh, and yes, like you say, it's great to uh, great to be working with you again. Um, fantastic. I tell you what, let's let's now meet our our second guest uh, and uh, our CEO and my boss, uh, David Liu. David's the founder and CEO of Perspectium. Um, prior to that, he was the founding developer at ServiceNow. 
and the uh, bass player in the official uh, ServiceNow band, Z-Boot. Um, David, thanks for joining us too. What should the audience know about Perspectium and about you? Well, uh, first of all, it wa I wasn't the bass player, but uh, that's okay to, it's, it's still a guitar. Um, <laughs> oh, you're, you're right. Was you're Wally right. the bass player? <laughs> it was Wally was the bass player, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> But that's that's okay. I, I I do carry a mean bass sometimes. Uh, <laughs> hello everyone. Uh, my name is David Liu, uh, also known as the, uh, the probably the first demo data in the ServiceNow platform. <laughs> uh, I've been I was uh, I was I was there in the in the beginning of the day days at ServiceNow, uh, helping our our dear founder Fred Ladi uh, set things up. Uh, uh, installing and maintaining things under the desk and running uh, running our customers in the, in the office uh, all the way till uh, to to IPO and a couple of years after that. So uh, ServiceNow is is in my blood. ServiceNow is in our blood. We are still in the ecosystem today. Uh, you know, creating value for the platform. This is this is what we're about, and uh, thank you for having me. We're going to talk about some very interesting topics today, uh, very closely related to the ServiceNow platform. Fantastic, yeah, and and actually, I, I should uh, take this opportunity to remind everyone that um, we want we want you to be part of this conversation as well. Um, so, if you are attending this webinar and you'd like to ask David or Chuck a question as we go through. Uh, please feel free to type your question into the Q&A panel and uh, we will get to as many of those as we can as we go through the, the session today. So, um, yeah, the conversation isn't just Chuck and David. Uh, please, we'd love, we'd love you to participate as well. Uh, but before I pass the baton entirely over to Chuck and David, uh, let me quickly just introduce myself. My name is Craig McDonough. I'll be your host for the webinar today. Uh, I look after marketing and strategy for Perspectium and have been working in the ServiceNow world for some time, uh, including at ServiceNow for a number of years, uh, alongside um, both Chuck and David and, and many other uh, of my Perspectium colleagues. Uh, but enough about me, let's get to the topic at hand. And, you know, I tell you what, let's, let's start off by looking at some background uh, around what we mean when we're talking about um, technical and data debt. And David, maybe you can kick us off on this one. What is technical debt? What is data debt? And how do they come about? I, I, I think technical debt is pretty well known, right? In, a, in the software development community, we, we shudder when we hear that. And it's always not because of ourselves, right? We always think about technical debt as somebody who gave it to us. <laughs> Uh, by 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 developers inheriting something from uh, work that has been done before by prior developers, or uh, sometimes developers doing that to themselves. Now, data debt is something that is uh, uh, data debt is something that is uh, is is quite new. And uh, to to be honest, it's. Uh, it's closer to what I do today than, than, than technical debt would be because uh, by definition, uh, it's how data tends to grow in, a, in an application platform or in, in a system 
that is very easy to use and very powerful indeed to, to that that gives you the application and the process that that you uh, run your business in and over time the data that is collected as part of the process in these applications just tend to increase over time and that is uh, that's the definition of data debt makes sense uh, Chuck anything uh, anything that you would add to that do you do you see or hear about technical and data debt I'm glad I'm glad you threw the developer doing it to themselves because I've been a victim of that a number of times. I, there is still an application running at my old organization that's been there for 25 years. I started writing it over 25 now because I started writing it in late 94 and it's still up and running. Somebody has to maintain that and God bless them. Uh, it's it's one of my best friends. <laughs> so he, he gets a shout out for that. But it it uh the, you're right. The technical debt, I forget what the exact figure is, but we're we're like doubling the amount of data we're collecting every year or something ridiculous like that. It's it just it keeps going up and up and up. The amount of data you've got this year is twice as much as you had last year. So it just don't quote me on those exact figures, but it's it's ridiculous how much how much data we're collecting. And it's only going to get crazier when you start thinking about the Internet of Things. Uh, so it is something that seriously needs considering when you're doing any sort of software implementation today. You need to architect that solution to to not only address the technical debt but the data debt as well. Well, it's it's a measure of success, right? You're you're only successful if people use your platform a lot, and True. they change it and they customize it. And, and then it just becomes more and more powerful as more functionalities get introduced. And so as a result uh, of the processes that run and the workflow that run, data is collected, right? Analytics is done, insights are, 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 are gotten. Uh, and so I, I definitely look at it as a, a measurement of success, right? And the best uh, environments out there collect the most data. <laughs> That's very true. Right. Yeah, it, it, totally. I've I've got an application ready to launch, and I hope it succeeds. And although it doesn't, if if there's not a whole lot of data as as much as I expected, it's, so it's, yeah, very very it's, true. It's, it's quite flattering when when somebody takes what you've you've done and takes it to the next level. Oh, right by customizing it, adding yeah. features, adding attributes, and and go. What about this? What about that? Well, but, and that uh, gets what in, we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that gets into another aspect of the data and technical debt, because as you as you recognize new requirements and implement them, your data may change. So the the data you had two, five, ten years ago may not work or be as analytically savvy as the current data. So, you know, it, it, it's something you have to think of over time is what am I going to do with the old stuff that is missing a few fields or has a few fields that we've deprecated or something of that nature in, into the whole strategy of how you handle that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I have a little story to, sh to share. Uh, in the beginning, right, uh, when we developed the ServiceNow platform, it was an application development platform. Right? It wasn't very clear about the applications that we were going to create. Uh, we were still uh, testing the market. We were still thinking about, you know, how to go to market. And so a lot of the early developer features that you see 
business rules, triggers, scheduled jobs, slush bucket. Those things were created for us, internal developers, because we wanted to be able to rapidly prototype an application and try it with a customer and see if it, it, it's something that we can then productize. So we had to have a means of creating applications very quickly, low code. Well, it wasn't quite low code. And <laughs> a lot of scripts, a lot of, uh, it just gives me the chills to say jelly <laughs> uh, programming. <laughs> if any of you remember that, uh, uh, Apache Jelly was the framework for the UI uh, back in the days. Uh, so a lot of that happened inside of ServiceNow development so, uh, so that we can then take it back and make it into a, an application then that we can productize and then deliver to the rest of the customers. <clears throat> but as we support customers and we work with them, they eventually found out how we did it. So questions were asked. Uh, how did you add that feel so quickly, right? How did you? And so, you know, being being good, uh, good support and engineers, uh, support and, and development engineers, we would then say, oh, that's easy. We just did that. We go, can we have that? And lo and behold, that's that's how it started. <laughs> so, the you know, the uh, the update sets, the update XMLs, the right click. Export XML, right-click, import XML. Those were all ours. We created it for for ourselves, but uh, it has shown that it it's actually it was actually necessary to take us to the next level. So we just kept it in there and uh, continued to make it work. And that 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 gets to the technical debt of of you know, the the platform is very flexible, and you know, I've heard people say it's a double-edged sword. You can do anything on the ServiceNow platform. And the downside is you can do anything on the ServiceNow platform. And I try to employ this as much as possible on the ServiceNow community. Just because you can do a thing. I don't know who made this quote up. It might have been Abraham Lincoln. We'll, We'll say it was just for credibility's sake. Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. And, and developers need to understand this because oftentimes they're given requirements and say, how do I do this? And, and I look at this and say, this, this is going to cost you. Now it's going to cost you to build, it's going to cost to maintain, it's going to cost for upgrades. I would push back. And unfortunately, some cultures don't have that ability to say, hey, you know, I, I don't think this is a wise move. Uh, but it, it's, it's something that needs to be considered as you get requirements, as you build this out, because it it can come back to haunt you. We have a number of customers that have come back years later that say, oh, if I only knew now what I knew then, our organization is not so special that we need all these extra business rules, all these extra client scripts, all these extra UI macros that, that do our process just right. And they've had to backtrack and re-implement from a baseline configuration start over and and that reduced i mean that that reset their technical debt pretty much back to zero because they're using out of the box which makes your upgrades faster which makes your testing faster which makes you know a lot of these things cleaner that's not to say you should you know thou shalt not create a new field or thou shalt not create a new business rule there are ways to do this in a protected way observing technical best practices that we've got published 
I, I, that application that Craig mentioned at the innovation of the year in 2010, it still runs on Orlando today because I observed those technical best practices. I did not do anything crazy. I was using standard features the way they were meant to be built. Yes, it's a completely custom application, leverages the CMDB and still works. I haven't even upgraded it since Helsinki and it still works in Orlando. So that tells you, you know, what it, it, it that is a is a great way to reduce the technical debt. Observe the technical best practices, assess every requirement and starting from a strategy of do we really need this? Is it can we use the applications that were given, ITSM, HRCSM out of the box? I hate that term, but I'll use it because it's so popular. <laughs> if I say out of the box, it means baseline as well. Uh, it used those standard applications the way they were meant to be used and then start to evaluate, do we have specific requirements that we need to implement? And are they, is, is, the, is the TO, TCO, sorry, wrong three-letter acronym, is the total cost of operation for this requirement worth it? Wow. Yeah, like everything else, it's, it's, it's a mindful approach right, that, that developers need to take, not only about what they are creating or changing about the change, but uh, take a mindful approach for uh, thinking about sustainability, right? And we're gonna talk about this later on, about the best practices, because I have to applaud ServiceNow for putting in features that are standard, right? Extendable now, less scripting, data-driven, uh, configuration-based uh, modifications. Those are, the, those are the considerations that you have to make today. And, and uh, 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 developers like Chuck are the ones that, that, that can tell you about the best practices, about how to go about uh, doing, being a mindful developer, right? And it goes a long way. Well, you know, I think that that really, I think that that really helps set the scene for today's conversation. Um, I think that uh, uh, Spider Man's uncle also said it uh, said it quite well. Um, it's a similar theme: um, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and so, yeah, definitely something to to bear in mind as you're building as you're building applications. So now that we all know what technical and data debt is, um, let's take a quick look at how it impacts uh, costs and resources. And Chuck, I'm sure you've been asked this question many times. It comes down to you know, kind of what I was saying before is the impact on your resources is if you've got lots of specific requirements. Let's say you, you will take ITSM. It's a commonly known use case. And you say, look, we're going to work on the incident process. Oh, but... I won't say every customer, but many customers think their incident or their change or their problem process or you name your favorite process here is special to the organization. We used to have a term at our organization. We just added the word, the, the suffix I-Z-E on the end of it and says, we're going to you know, blah, 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 I's this. I'm like, oh, not again. You know, so, and to compound the problem we, I worked among a field of engineers who thought that it was better to build than to buy. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just many of the applications that we could have gotten off the shelf, whether it was ServiceNow or, or some third-party you know, software development tool or project tracker or whatever, 
felt they needed to build it. And it, it could have been in PHP. It could have been in whatever. It was just, it, they were building technical debt over the years. And, uh, you know, I applaud them for, I, I still keep in touch with that very good friend who maintains the 25-year-old application <laughs> on a monthly basis. We have a call and we keep up with this kind of stuff. What's happening at the old storefront? And uh, it's 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 starting to turn around and get better. But uh, it, you don't want to leave your organization in that situation because there's there's a high cost of, as I mentioned, developing those specific requirements. It's and somebody has to test. Now, granted, we have things like automated test framework that can help automate that testing. But still, it, it can get into a lot of building custom tests for custom requirements that test custom features that you implemented. Wow, this is this is getting really hairy as you get down to it. So think about what is necessary. Think about, can I use this straight out of the box? whether it's IT or HR or customer service or custom build application, obviously custom build application isn't out of the box, but as you build those, and, and that's where a lot of my work centers is around those custom built applications. I'm thinking down the road, how do I make this uh, as bulletproof as possible to future changes? D David, you mentioned data-driven uh, architecture. That is by far the the core thing I strive for. You know, anytime I see anything in quotes, I shudder. Whether it's a sys ID or a literal string on a on a message, or it's like this this really belongs somewhere else, so I can translate it, so I can change it quickly, so I can delegate the the maintenance of this business condition or business logic, you know, decision tables or decision. There's lots of different ways that we've extended the platform since those early days to make this more data-driven, and that is going to save you a lot of technical debt if you architect around a data-driven uh, structure. I don't want to use the word architecture twice, but that's that's really a big, big one as, as you think about how these applications uh, are, are, are engineered and grow over time. Because I, I have a story from 2011 when I implemented, uh, it was around that time, I don't know the exact date, but uh, when I when I created a change management for a third party application, this third party application that was importing data, but they didn't have any onboard change when they said, "Oh, I need to change, uh, you know, the instructor on this course, or the course in this curriculum, or the facilities." We brought that into ServiceNow and created a change management. I built it in such a way that no one's ever called me in the last nine years to say we need to make a modification to this. It was built so that all of that could be delegated. The, the decisions that using common out of the box components like condition fields and lookup tables and they're done it was it was fully configurable never had to touch it again they may have adjusted a field here or there but still that that's you know trivial in comparison with having to go back and check out a workflow and make a change and publish the workflow and you don't want you don't want to get into that business as developers, we like to innovate. We like to create. I don't, some like to maintain, but I think that's a small percentage. I, I, don't, I don't really care to maintain 25-year-old apps that were written in Perl. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to. <laughs> True. To me, the, the, the impact of, of anything, right, is directly related to the outcome of what you did. So... Uh, 
I, I see different levels of technical and data debt impacts. And it, it's hard to it's hard to really create a calculator around this, right? I've been asked, you know, how do you how do you create a calculator to calculate how much money and people you need to to reduce the technical debt and what what is the impact of that? Well, it really depends, right? It it, it goes in the, the spectrum of, you know, on the on the really uh, s- smaller side, the the impact could be an annoyance, right? Why does this problem keep coming back again and again and again as I'm trying to extend the application or add a field? The problem comes back again. Oh, it's because there's this hard-coded thing that's looking for a field name, right? Well, we got to go change that, right? And if you don't, it's going to come back again. It's going to come back. So the, the impact of that is annoyance, right? Uh, of uh, It hinders you from going forward. And if you are hiring a consultant, right? You have to pay for that hour that he spent to to do something in a better way because you had technical debt that caused that in the first place, right? So so that's the that's the lesser cost that that is related to an impact of a technical data debt. Uh, I would say immediately right up from there, it's it's not very gradual, right? The next step up, the impact that could uh, that you could feel would be something like you can't upgrade, right? Going from uh, Orlando to Paris, right? You've made so much customizations on something that the Paris application now cause some data structures to not work or the dependency of some workflow is now uh, rendered uh, uh, not necessary, but it's still there. So it's going to hang around, and when you upgrade, you're going to have uh, your your commit up. You know, upgrade would would show you you know seventy five things that you need to resolve right before you can move forward. And then when you get into the the testing phase, you have thousands of things to validate because it's so different from point A to point B, right? So we just went from a minor annoyance, right, to now you gotta you gotta get ServiceNow support. And in order for you to do that, you got to be on the right version, right, of the platform. And so now you are scrambling and you are organizing your time and you're delaying your future development, right, in order to get something upgraded. So you have to be mindful about these impacts of technical and data debt, right? Data debt less so uh, affects the uh, affects the upgrade process less so, uh, just because of how extension is used. For, for data schema in, in, in ServiceNow. Now, I, I, can, I can only imagine that the worst impact of a technical data, data debt scenario is when uh, there's a mission critical app that is directly related to your company's bottom line of how you make money, right? You produce a drug, you make solar batteries, or, uh, or, or you're, you are a services company and you're in healthcare, right? So any one of those functions in your company gets impacted, right? It, it's going to cause your company uh, a lot of money, right? And occasionally, technical and data debt comes into that impact, right? Because you, you're trying to use an application, and because of all of the customizations that happen along the way, uh, is now causing you to 
debug very complicated workflows just so that you can approve the next phase of a you know production of a drug that is, that is needed and then that time you spent in debugging code not making drugs cause your competitor to come in and you know release the drug ahead of you so that impact is is the proverbial priceless right so it goes uh, the whole spectrum and the bottom line is don't have any have as little impact as possible david can you can you talk a little bit more about the impact of specifically of data debt and and of how of how date yeah how specifically data debt can can really impact an organization absolutely uh, when data grows right uh, it directly in, impacts how you get the information out at a later stage right a larger volume of data means slower queries and slower reports slower queries and slower reports means slower insights and slower analytics that drive decisions and actions, right? That is the most direct impact that, that, that we, we know because we, Prospectum lives in this space, right? We, we live to alleviate data debt. Matter of fact, I think data debt is, is a term that we, we brought back. And, and so it's, it's, like a, uh, it's like water, right? Try emptying the ocean with buckets. Right. It's, it's an impossible task, but if you have a swimming pool, it, it could be achievable. All about metaphors. <laughs> I was going to say, that's an interesting one. <laughs> I have a swimming pool, so, but I'm not emptying it with a bucket. <laughs> yeah. but, but again, it's, it's a mindful approach, right? Yeah. You don't just say, uh, oh, because it's hard to get the, the data out, uh, I'm just going to start deleting stuff. Right? It's not that at all. And it's not like, uh, because uh, it's hard to get the insights from my reports because it's, it's slow or, or it's, in, it's impactful. You know, the, the process of retrieving the information is, is, is going against a larger set of data. And so therefore I'm not gonna enter any, any data. It's not that at all. It's not that either. So uh, right. we're gonna talk about some best practices uh, later. Yeah. That's that's a good uh, a good segue actually because we've we've been receiving quite a few questions and uh, one of the one of the first ones that came in was was actually specifically around that and it was the question was you know what is the best option to reduce or remove this data debt and is there a process that you can remove to identify data debt and and what do you suggest organizations do in order to sunset this uh, the data debt that we've been talking about. I'll start with an easy one. We've got archiving built into the platform. Right? It, it takes your data and not really removes oh, yeah. it, but makes it, it makes it off, offline, if you will, but it's still accessible. You could still bring it back as you need to. We've even got some new features coming into Paris. I mean, it's been around for what a long time, David. It's been, you know, archiving has been around, but it's very little recognized until people run into Oh, this is getting really slow. Well, maybe we should do something about that. Table rotation would be another one. If you've got transient data that's just piling up, it's log files. You know what? I don't need log files from eight years ago. Let's put in some table rotation. So after 30 days, it's gone. Nobody cares. We don't have to report. And that cuts things down too. So there's there's a couple of built-in capabilities. Other thoughts, David? It, it has to be mindful. You're right. 
right? You, you can't think about table rotation and archiving as an afterthought or, <laughs> or oh, shoot, it's happening. I can't get anything. Let's turn on archiving, right? By that time, you've already experienced the impact. So uh, uh, a modicum of, of planning and discussion and mindful approach, you know, especially when you're new to service now, you know, talk about these things. You know, what is my data plan, right? Now, uh, uh, in addition to, to archiving, right, we, we feel that uh, backups, which is a, a, a time-based snapshot of data, is also an approach that you can take. But, you know, personal plug here, right? Uh, Perspectium does that, right? We, we, we allow you to uh, take snapshots of the data and externalize it into a store that later on you can restore it back. Right? You can restore it back into the same system or you can restore it back into another system, uh, another instance of, of ServiceNow, uh, but it, it, it stays around. So you can have versions of your CNDP rather than just one, right? And you can compare the versions between, between time. And, and that needs to be thought about as you're, you're coming into uh, planning your CMDB and planning to maintain foundational data, right? There, there is a strategy around uh, foundational data debt versus transactional data debt, like, like <clears throat> Chuck just mentioned, table rotation is, is very good for logs, but it's probably not good for your incident table. You, you need to keep them around for a long time. So uh, another strategy needs to be in place, right? You need to think about governance. You need to think about compliance and, you know, your, your HIPAA practices and, and your um, ability to retain information for, uh, to be compliant. And all that factors in, uh, you know, right from the get-go. It needs to be thought about at the beginning of your uh, ServiceNow journey. And, uh, yeah, so, so the difference is um, backups are snapshots in time. So it's states that change over time and has an ability to be restored, right? And, and for Perspectium, it's just, just us, right? We, we have the ability to restore from uh, into any instances. And this segues into uh, the technical debt, how we solve technical debt as well, is that now that you've backed up your data, you need to, you want to go back into a more default application Right? You have a new instance with your uh, new applications deployed, and then you just restore your foundational data into those new applications. And therefore, you have just, uh, you have just reset right? from a highly customized, unchangeable spaghetti stuff into really uh, out-of-box applications, maintaining all the historical data across systems. So that's backup and restore into a different system. So that's 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 some approach. You, you don't have to do it with Perspectium, but that is the general idea, right? Exporting something into a snapshot and then restoring it into uh, another instance is a way to get to very quickly to an out-of-the-box system uh, and also uh, have an ability to reduce uh, the data debt on your existing platform. Yeah. Can, can either of you think of, because often I think some of the best ways of explaining this is by giving examples of, of people that have, of organizations that we've seen do this, uh, where we've seen organizations 
you know, reduce their technical or data debt. Can either of you think of examples, of, and you don't have to name names, but uh, examples of, of organizations that have done this well? Uh, one of, well, one think, comes to mind that I did an implementation for back in 2011, 2012 timeframe uh, that had a lot of technical debt. They were going crazy with their ITSM implementation. Uh, it, it was a um, large, oh, I'm not even sure, very large. Let's just say Global 100 company. I, 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 they're so diverse. I can't even name the industry because it's all over the place. Uh, a two-letter company. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and uh, about five, six years later, they were having the the problems that David indicated. Problems with upgrading because they'd get to the next version. I think this was you know along about the Fuji Eureka Geneva timeframe. They said. Yeah. We flat out cannot upgrade and we're not recognizing value. And, you know, that's no good for us because, you know, we want our customers to get the maximum value for the software they're subscribed to. I know if, if I subscribe to a software, whether it's you know, ServiceNow or something more in my budget range like Evernote, I want the latest features that, that I get because that's what I'm paying for. You know, I'm, I get my Mac mm-hmm. OS fairly soon, at least on my home machines, so that I can find out what are the new features and how can I leverage them. That's the same thing your organization wants so they can maximize the value, get those features that can help do the digital transformation that is oh so important to every organization right now. And you know, it, they ended up doing a re-implementation and that was very costly. So yeah. you know, again, watching those customizations with, with that strategic viewpoint in mind saying, do we really need this? Do you have an yeah. example? Well, there, there is a there is a method to the madness, right? There there are there are things that you can rely on. There are it's more concepts in in engineering in in development uh, that you can rely on to avoid getting into those states, right? So uh, uh, before I get into that, uh, to answer Craig's question, every customer that I've encountered that has been on service now for five years or more has incurred data debt. Right, they have six-year-old incidents that they don't no longer look at, but when they run that query and they click on that list, it it runs the query that includes the six-year-old incidents, right? And it adds five more seconds to the response time, right? So it depends on what you do—a report or just actively going through list. It could, it could annoy. It could be very annoying. <laughs> but, uh, Coming back to uh, 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 you know uh, ServiceNow development uh, best practice and concepts very early on in the day, right? Because we were the first developers of the platform, we we were sworn into uh, a handful of tenants, right? That <laughs> that we have to do these things and be mindful, and and they're not you know technical stuff. They're not like oh you have to code in Java one point eight or whatever. No. None of that. None of that stuff. It's it's a little higher level. It's uh, for example, one of the one of the things we have to follow is to be consistent. Consistency over creativity or innovation. Right? If there's a very creative way of doing something, but uh, the existing code or application has already done or has already produced this function this way five times in a row, you're tempted to go, I'm going to be different and 
coded that way because that's new and interesting and refreshing. No, avoid, you know, resist that temptation and go, it's consistent to do it that way, the old way. It's not that sexy, but it's consistent. And I want to follow that because when the time comes to change to a new way, you want to change all of them at the same time. You don't want to be the odd code out. So look for consistency in, in your applications and in your customizations and follow that, but have, have a team approach, have a approach that goes back and changes everything at the same time and not introduce one new thing at a time. And that's one of the reasons how technical debt comes about is every new developer that joins the team says, oh, I'm going to use a prototype. Oh, I'm going to use jQuery. I'm going to use, right? Everybody has their own thing. I'm going to do Angular. Now, pretty soon you have a prototype, uh, Angular, and jQuery application. That is the definition of technical debt. So look at what other people have done, have a mindful approach, and go, I'm going to do jQuery, even though it's like 10 years old, 15 years old, until the time is right when we convert everything to Angular, right? And that should be uh, one of the tenets of uh, writing applications. The other one, like, like Chuck said before, data-driven, data-driven all the time, right? Configurations, no code, low code, right? ServiceNow is doing great introducing flow designer, integration hub, all those features that you don't have to write code, right? You, you put things together. However, you also have to think about how much effort it is to put those things together and how you put them together in a consistent way. Right? You still own that, by the way, right? You, you do something in Flow Designer, you still own it. So you just have to be consistent about how you use Flow Designer across the board, across the teams, and, 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 and be aware of all the data-driven features that it has, right? In Perspectium, we, we deliver a data-driven approach to Flow data in and out of your ServiceNow platform. You don't write a single line of code. I try to enforce that with my development team as well, the, the same tenant. Uh, the other, the other, uh, the other uh, concept that we follow very closely is a service-oriented uh, aspect to development, right? Always think about everything as a service so that it's consistently accessed, right? So you want to connect to something consistently. You want, to, um, you want to plug in. You want architectures that promote a service type of uh, deployment, right? Plugins. You want to deploy libraries. You want to deploy uh, shareable code that, you know, is a black box. And I think of it, think of what you create is a black box that you just call and somebody calls you and you call somebody in a consistent way with very well-defined uh, uh, interfaces, right? And, and the platform allows you to do that, but you have to do that, right? You have to use concepts like, like in, uh, the robust import set, I think that's what they, that's called today, to, to define a consistent, right? It comes back to the other concept, a consistent way of doing something over and over again that, uh, think of it this way, if you hire a new developer next year, and they come in, how long will it take for them to understand what you did? Use that as a measurement of your success, right? If it takes them 75 days to read all your code, 
if they take a look at that and they go, oh, that's flow designer. Oh, that's import set. Oh, that's, a, oh, oh, I know. I got it. This is how it works. You mentioned that. That is what you want to achieve. You mentioned that black box approach, which uh, reminds me of the story you shared recently about Fred Luddy and one of his tenants was copy and you're fired. <laughs> the idea being yeah, yeah. don't just take a block of code and copy it from this business rule to that UI action because you've just duplicated a potential bug. And now if you discover it's an issue, you have to go and find similar cases of it. Like that's, that's not the way to do it. You put it into a black box. You put it into a script include. You put it into some function that you can call from both of those locations. And you know, I, I, I live and die by that rule. <laughs> it's like, because even yeah. if it's only used once, it's still, it still cuts down on the complexity of that business rule, of that UI action, of the... It, you know, it, it makes it easier to debug and unit test, and there's your modularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's funny for like five seconds, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really serious, right? And uh, and that's something that I push on on my developers as well. It's it's so serious that at that time we were even thinking about check-in validation that tries to match and see if you have copied somebody else's code, and then will deny your check-in. Right. Ooh. <laughs> but it became, you know, too complicated. And it's like, uh, you know, we'll just, you know, look around the room and go, do not copy my code. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally did that. Um, yeah, it's, it's very true. Consistency, data-driven, will, 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 will take you, will, will get you a long, long way, right? Uh, if, you, if you created an application, make sure that it's, it's well-published with, documentation of libraries that you've deployed, right, on how to, how to do that, and, uh, and evangelize it, right? Share it within your team. Because the more people that use your code, the less changes that there are going to be, right, over time. And then uh, there's a sense of ownership. And when, when the features are lacking, you, know, you get the feedback. And then you you build on those libraries, and it becomes more and more useful over time, right? Take a uh, a data driven concept to everything, right? In plugging perspective again, our our um, our integration application lives within ServiceNow as an application, right? There's no external interfaces at all. It's all data driven. You define the data set that you want to publish out. And you just say go. There are no credentials that you need to set up for your web service to come in and then make sure the ACL is correct. You are the administrator. You've been given the rights to uh, define the data set that your customer wants to have. You just define it and publish it. Absolute security, right? You don't have to rotate passwords over time and there's going to be intermittent uh, connectivity issues. Take those approaches when you're, you're building your application by thinking about who's going to use your application, right? And make sure that it's the most convenient for them, not for you. You're an engineer. You should be inconvenienced so that they can be convenient. It's, it's funny. While, while, it, while it sounds like many of these suggestions might actually involve extra work, um, they're actually necessary to, to help you go faster. Uh, not slower. And in fact, I'd like to call on a, a, another one of my favorite quotes ever from uh, Mario Andretti. Um, 
who, who kind of made the observation that brakes on a Formula One car are there to make the car, to allow the car to go faster, not to slow it down. Uh, and I think this is this has a, a, a definite sort of parallel into what we're what we're talking about. Um, just looking at time here, we've only got a few minutes left, and we do have some questions that have come in from the uh, from the audience. Uh, so I'd like to get to a couple of those if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, the first the first one um, that we'll get to is uh, how should technical and data debt be tracked and reviewed? Um, it seems like a challenging effort. How how should it be prioritized? And, and do you prioritize it maybe by the theoretical cost of not addressing it? How, how do you go after this stuff? Okay. As David said, there's, it's difficult to build a calculator around this to find the cost. But yeah. if you take those three levels of approach, is it inconvenience? Is it, is it upgrade related? Or is it affecting the bottom line? There's your priority right there. Okay. Is, mm-hmm. is this technical debt impacting one of those three general areas you may, you may refine and define the way you like, but that's a, uh, I love that guideline to start out with is, is that three tiered structure. Does, does, does that hit the, the core of the question? Dave, would you like to add to that? I, I like to add that it's not a, it's not a, a rear view mirror, right? Because by the time that you look at the rear view mirror and, and realize that you have technical debt, it's too late, right? Don't, don't treat it like it's a measurement thing and a, and a tracking thing that I have to do, but rather it's a culture thing, right? As a developer, do you have a culture of being consistent in your, in your engineering approach? Do you have a culture of being data-driven? Just on the get-go, you know, have those priorities in place and you don't have to measure because it will be, you will, you will have, uh, the least amount of technical and data technical debt. Data debt is a different story. Data debt is a result of not having technical debt. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> if, if it's easy and awful, it's going to come, right? It's going to grow. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge. It's going to be powerful. Everybody's going to be plugged in. You're going to have seven data sources coming in because you've been successful in reducing your data debt and moving forward. Your, your technical debt and causing application to be powerful, and, and so it collects more and more data. So with data that uh, you measure by the growth of the data sets, again, separate them out by foundational data, transactional data, and just transient data like logs, right? The biggest table by far in any service now instance is gonna be the attachment tables, right? Mm-hmm. Evaluate what your attachment policy is. Do you have cap sizes on what can be attached? And uh, do you have an ability to archive these things over time or use Perspectium to back up and restore into other systems and, and, and encrypted file systems as, as such? And then, and then um, deploy and think about those right up uh, front. We, we have an application in the store that actually helps you estimate your data debt. Another plug, sorry. <laughs> Another question that came in from from a developer clearly is uh, she says, uh, I've been in similar situations where I tell the customer that it's not a wise move to go down a particular path and they don't agree. And they say, nope, nope, that's that's the way we want it. What what would you recommend? What's the what's the best way for a developer to to um, to help their organization understand the impact of, of uh, technical and data debt? 
Uh, so, if it's already been mandated that you must do this, that's unfortunate because you know, it goes against yeah. your better judgment. They've 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 employed you for opinions, decisions, information, and experience. And if they choose to, you know, say no, this is something we really must do. I make sure I document those, even if it's just you know in the description field of whatever I'm writing or comments in the code to to say you know this is what it does. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too belligerent and say it goes against my better judgment. And I, if it, if they change it, I quit. Uh, but yeah, take it take it professionally, obviously. But uh, make sure, sure it's documented somewhere so that if somebody comes back and says, "Why did you do this?" You say, "Look, I got it was per this requirement number. You can look it up in this reference. We had this discussion. You know, you're you're covered. Not not entirely against you know consequences, but." The, you've at least got evidence and I'm, I'm a data hoarder when it comes to, you know, I, I, I collect things like that and I make sure if I have some stance about what happened, I want to, I want I want the why and the evidence behind it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I had a more extreme answer. <laughs> I, I'd walk away because I would, I would, I would try to convince them. Right. And say, if you want me to do this, I won't come back to fix it. You better have it, you better have the clout to do that one. <laughs> right. And then they and then they might listen to you and go, really, it's that serious. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll be fixing forever. Right? Right. So here are the best practices. Here are the impacts, right? Uh, analyze it for them, right? Is it is it an annoyance that if I do this, it's gonna be annoying and then hey, I'm gonna be charging you, you know, three hundred bucks an hour for the next five years to come back and fix it or right uh hey if i do this you're not going to be able to upgrade right? use that because the evidence is there if you make these changes it won't be upgradable right or the upgrade effort would be very difficult right and then lastly use the third uh, impact this is going to affect your bottom line of creating the product that your company actually sells Right. When the technical debt causes this workflow to not move forward, you're going to lose that competition. Right? Good point. That's the impact. And if you don't know, honestly, if you don't know, if somebody asks you a requirement and you're unsure if there's technical debt associated with that or potential technical debt, leverage the community. Ask around there. That's that's a great resource. Yeah. And you will get various opinions from experienced people. Follow your own tenets of consistency and data-driven. Because yes. there's going to be advice of just use this piece of code. <laughs> uh, don't, don't copy and, and paste, right? Have your own uh, idea. Yeah, some good uh, good advice there from from both of you. Thank you. I think with that, though, we've, we've kind of come to the end of our time today. Before we go, I would like to, uh, to, to join David in shamelessly promoting a way for you to try out Perspectium for free. Uh, the... The uh, the application that we've been talking about uh, that in in uh, in terms of technical and data debt is a product from Perspective called DataSync, uh, and you can uh, take a, a test drive of it for yourself uh, at that URL that you see on the screen there. Um, it's a self guided live demo. There's no real person in there. Uh, it's something that uh, that David. Uh, um, built just uh, just a few weeks back, and if you if you want to experience what it what the DataSync product is like, um, this is the way you can do it. Uh, just DataSyncDemo.perspectium.net uh, is the URL to go to. Uh, so please, uh, yeah, check that out if you want to see what 
what the uh, the DataSync uh, product actually looks like and how it works um, in in the real world. Um, but aside from all of that, uh, thank you for joining us. I, I trust you found this webinar informative. I trust that you were able to pick out a few fresh ideas that you can use to minimize both technical and data debt in your ServiceNow environment. Um, and of course, a huge thank you to Chuck uh, from ServiceNow and David from Perspectium for sharing your stories, uh, your insight and your experience with us in today's session. Thank you both so much. My pleasure. I, I want to also say, uh, don't miss uh, Chuck's new podcast called Breakpoint. Uh, oh yeah. It's uh, going to be done bi-weekly. So uh, catch that in iTunes. Well, thank you. It is ServiceNow Developer Podcast. It's just launched. So if it's not on your favorite podcast directory as of late July, should be by early August of 2020. So go subscribe. Listen, we're going to have interesting conversations and we will most definitely be putting the audio for this discussion on that as well. So look forward to talking to you there. Yeah, thank you. I will. We'll actually include a, a reminder about that in the email as well that we send out to to you after this uh, to this webinar. Um, as I as I mentioned though at the start of the session, the, this webinar has been recorded. We will forward uh, a copy of it out to you in the next day or so. Feel free to share it with your friends um, and your colleagues. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to read some customer stories or learn more about Perspectium or ServiceNow, please visit our websites at either Perspectium.com or ServiceNow.com. And we look forward to working with you. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you once again to Craig and David for having me on your webinar and having such a great discussion. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.